Amen. Um, so tonight we're on chapter 8 of the Confession. It's on page 853 in the hymnal. Uh, and it is entitled, Of Christ the Mediator. Um, I, there are things that I want to, I guess, zoom in a little bit on. Mostly, I think we can just read it. And if anybody's got questions, we'll, we'll, we'll have things to say about it, thoughts on it, we'll discuss it. Uh, particularly chapter... Two um, and three, to some extent, uh, are historically significant and uh, and kind of technical. And I can almost guarantee you that everybody in this room is a heretic, even Betsy. Yep. Almost guarantee. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> there we go. Heretic. Um, that's right. I, I like to start off on the right foot and just go ahead and start as bad as it can be and maybe work up. Get everybody against me. Uh, paragraph one. This is on page 853. It is chapter eight of the, conf- of the hymn, hymnal. 853 in the hymnal. Uh, it's chapter eight of the Westminster Confession of Christ the Mediator. So the last chapter... Chapter so uh, was of God's covenant with man. That was chapter seven. The one before that was uh, of the fall of man, of sin and the punishment thereof. That really these these tie together. Okay, we're we're working towards uh, we're working through these things in in a logical order. <clears throat> and these three chapters, chapter six, seven, and eight, are very much related. So chapter six, we have the problem: man is fallen. We deserve nothing but judgment, uh, and, it, and it details what the problem is, why it applies to us, why Adam's sin is imputed to us, why that, you know, uh, cover, you know, all the protestations of, wait a minute, Adam sinned and I'm paying the cost. That's not fair. Uh, <laughs> but we also uh, bring up that point that Adam being the federal head at that point for his posterity, Adam being a public person, as Confession says, representing us is parallel with how Christ would represent us as a public person. If we thought we would do better than Adam, we are sorely mistaken. We would not do any better than Adam put in his place. We would have still fallen. But because we were represented covenantally or with a, with a federal head, we are also represented covenantally with a federal head who is Christ who is the second Adam. So we've got this great problem of Adam and his sin and our corruption and sin that comes from it uh, and continues to propagate throughout our persons. And that moves into what God did about it, uh, into God's covenant with man. And we talked about the covenant of works, covenant of grace. Of course, the covenant of works really being pre-fall. And while the confession doesn't say a whole lot about it, it required a condescension by God. It required him reaching out to us in a covenant relationship, or the covenant relationship was how he chose to do it, uh, even before sin, because the, the, the distance uh, between God and the creature is so great uh, that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath pleased to express by way of a covenant. So God could have created Adam and Eve, stuck them in the garden. They had pretty good you know, time, I guess, but they could have never realized the blessedness of knowing God had God not come through by some device 
to actually speak to them because they're existing on very different planes. Uh, an analogy I used for that was uh, the funny Babylon Bee uh, article where the, the, the character in the computer game denies the, the enlightened postmodern character uh, in the computer game denies the existence of the programmer, right? Because the, the conscious character in the computer game, a computer game, uh, you know, lives inside the computer game. And I think I use the analogy of uh, Minecraft. It's like this big role-playing game, right? Where you're just, it's it's a huge virtual world. It's always getting bigger, and more people are involved, and so forth. And people in Japan and America obsess over it and and die because they failed to eat over two weeks uh, while playing computer games and so forth. And but the character inside the game can't reach out and talk to the programmer, can he? Can't do it, right? So it's just kind of funny thing, this great analogy, this digital analogy, that's another funny thing, uh, this digital analogy of the, the character in the, in, in the game saying, ah, there's no such thing as a, as a programmer. You know, that's kind of like us saying there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as a creator. But we can't reach out to him, right? He's got to come to us. So God came to us by covenant. And that first covenant was covenant of works. And that covenant, uh, in that covenant, God promised life to Adam. Just obey me. Just do what I say. So obviously that, that, that failed. And then so there was a second covenant, the covenant of grace. Now that covenant has to come by way of a mediator, and that mediator is Christ. So that's where we start off in chapter 8. So the problem, uh, the, 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 the tool to fix it, the covenant of grace, and the, the operator of that tool, uh, Jesus, the, the mediator between God and man. So, paragraph 1 of chapter 8. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of the church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. So God is sovereign in doing this. Jesus does not try to jump up and propitiate an angry God and say, wait, wait, don't, don't be so mad, God. Now, this is a theory that people have had. That, uh, it's, it's pretty prevalent in modern times that, that Jesus is, is the, the nice guy and, and, and God the Father is the mean guy. And Jesus said, wait, I'll die for them. Don't do it. Uh, this is not the case at all. All three members of the Trinity are, are at one and are in total agreement from all eternity, uh, that this is going to happen. And it's completely within both, uh, also within what you might call the logical order of the Trinity. There's no, what we would say, an ontological order, an order of existence. They're all equal in terms of their essence, in terms of their existence, their godness, if you will. But there is a logical order to the Trinity, that being that God the Father uh, is the Father, right? Who begets, eternally begets the Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from them both. And you see those, those, these things worked out, particularly in Ephesians 1, uh, where God the Father elects, the Son redeems, and the Spirit applies salvation. But God the Father elects, in that sense, Jesus to be the mediator. Uh, something that, that, oh, what's the Scottish guy's name? Sinclair Ferguson 
pointed out was that when people buck against the idea of election, they'll say, well, you know, if, if, you, if, if you assume you're elected, then you think you don't have to do anything. You're, you're elected. You're good. Uh, if, if you don't have – if salvation is not through works, you're not going to do any works. You're just going to slack off. Well, Jesus knew that he was the chosen one. Uh, he didn't slack off. Uh, Jesus had no problem with his own election uh, at all. He was faithful unto the end. I ramble myself into a corner. I don't know where to go from here. Um, any any thoughts on chat or paragraph one there? So, okay, paragraph two. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmaries thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary and of her substance, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. So in here, there's, it, it's sort of an injection of let's talk about, let, 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 let's give an anecdote to all of the Christological heresies that have existed in history. And let's make sure we're very clear about who Christ is and, and the specifics of his existence. Uh, can anybody, anybody want to throw out some early Christological heresies, the first three centuries of the church? Come on, Betsy, I know you can do it. Nestorian, uh... Nestorianism? Can you explain Nestorianism? It was it was two persons. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, they, they said two. Yeah, they said that they, they were saying there was no there were like two natures of Christ. He had a divine nature and a human nature. Well, no, that would be true. Two persons. Yeah, two persons two instead. Yeah. Like, like you know natures in one person, but they were like two. Actually, two persons, yeah, right? Two persons. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, we don't have any writings of Nestorius. We, we have it that he was challenged, I guess, at one of the, one of the councils. I don't remember which one. Uh, and he was like, okay, yeah, I agree with you guys. But like, it, he, he maybe actually didn't think what we think of as Nestorianism because it's not documented. All we have is his enemies saying you shouldn't believe this. I think, uh, and you guys may know the answer to this, but I'm thinking, if I'm not mistaken, aren't the Coptic Christians in the Middle East, aren't they sort of... Uh, Descendants of that movement at some point. Uh, they're monophysites, so they, they're more Eutychian, right? Eutychian monophysite. They, they, their descendants did missionary work to the east, uh, toward India, and even as far as the 
Pacific Ocean. <coughs> no, 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 not the Coptics. The uh, Eutychians. Eutychians and the Monophysites. Right. Uh, the one nature uh, people. But we also have the Aryans. Yeah. A little bit later. So the, so the monophysites, which is more understandable if you say monophysites, because what you're saying is one nature, uh, one sort of substance. Uh, so instead of Jesus being one person with two natures, fully divine, fully human, he was fully divine before, and he took to himself a, a true body and a reasonable soul. Instead, you've got something where it's, it's just different from everybody. It's, it's, a, it's a composition, so you see that mentioned um, here near the end of it. Where he said they were inseparably uh, two whole, perfect, distinct natures, the Godhead, the manhood, were inseparably joined together in a warm person without conversion. So he didn't become, he didn't convert into man without composition. They weren't fused together uh, somehow, and there wasn't confusion. Now, the confusion's a little bit of a stab, I think, at Lutheran and Catholic. Christology, because they believe that, that the physical presence of Christ can be physically present in more than one place at a time, which would be to confuse the, would be to apply divine attributes to the human nature. Uh, and they would say that, that, that that's, that's confusing the natures. So, let's see here. Arian, Arianism would just, would just deny his, uh, his divinity, which is uh, still alive today. It, it completely died out for a long time. I think it was basically toast by the 7th century or so. Uh, but but uh, then thanks to uh, America, uh, the birther of really crazy things in the 19th century, uh, we got the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses who both deny the divinity of Christ and kind of go back to an Aryan ideal. So, and the Unitarians, I think, also. Uh, well, Unitarians would aren't aren't they essentially oneness? Or am I completely wrong on that? Yeah, they, so they believe Jesus is God, but there's no Father, there's no Spirit. It's all one. Okay, I thought it was Father, but no. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I Maybe I. Too, I don't know that, but then there was that other heresy that said the Father was God in the Old Testament times, and Jesus was God when He was here, and then the Holy Spirit's God from then on. Hmm. Is he just manifesting himself differently? So he manifests himself as the father during that period, manifests himself as the son at this time, and then manifests himself as the spirit after that? But it's not a triune God. So it's one. So it's, it's more of a historical, a historically dispensed modalism. Okay, I didn't hear about that one. Holy Spirit is going on. Interesting. There's all kinds of interesting things that people come up with. Um, are there any more that we want to talk about here? So we'll... We talked about Eutychianism. Historianism is two natures. Or no, two persons. I guess, I guess the point of paragraph two is that if, if this is studied very carefully with, within the, the layer of these heresies, you can see the wisdom of paragraph two because it steers us beyond and through all, all of them. And anything we could probably, probably anything we could come up with otherwise. Yeah. 
in terms of Christology. And it, like, somebody, it was R.C. Sproul, was saying that uh, if you look at the Council of the or the uh, the Chalcedonian Creed, it's you can't go any further without committing a heresy. Like you can't define the terms any tighter than that. And this sounds a lot like the Chalcedonian, Chalcedonian, however you say it, creed. One th- other thing I will bring out. Um, where would it really be put in here? I have one more question too. Can yeah. The word substance there. <coughs> yeah. Substance to me seems material. I mean, right. you know, Jesus had a body. Um, God the Father doesn't. Right. So we're speaking of a non-substantial substance. Why didn't they use the word essence? Because essence doesn't imply material right. substance. I have no idea. I think it maybe is because... Maybe... Hmm. I, I have to open up the earlier, the earlier, the earlier creeds might use that word too, and that's where we would get into a. It would be complicated because if the right, and that's where a lot of the a lot of the arguments between East and West came from was the East was still working in Greek, and the and the West is working in Latin, and so they can't agree on the terms. And they think they're disagreeing with each other, and oftentimes they're not. Was it substance or is it essence? Is it when you say hypostasis, does that really mean person or? These kind of things. Not really, I mean, they're basically every error related to in Christology. Every letter, every error related to Jesus is where they, whoever's committing the error, overemphasizes the divinity of Christ to the exclusion of his humanity. Yeah, exclude something. Or the humanity of Christ to the exclusion of his divinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, they go, you know, they separate those two, and. It could be that, that, you know, when they're doing the confession there, that they're, they're singing there's one substance in the sense that, you know, as First John says, you know, that which we have seen and heard, which we have, t- you know, we, you know, talking about the physical presence of Christ. You know. uh, historically, and I, 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 I should have looked at the Chalcedonian Creed, um, see if they use the word substance, but it, historically, I think the, the, the thing that they're trying to get at here is that divinity is divinity. And so when they say substance, they don't want to say essence because maybe in that sort of Kantian sense, essence is unknowable. Well, this is pre-Kant. So they wouldn't think that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they did. They wanted, they wanted to say that whatever the stuff is that makes God, whatever it is that is God, it's the same stuff in Jesus. It's the same stuff in the Father. It's the same stuff in the Spirit. So they are co-substantial. They're not made of different godness. So it's not, you know, one God is, is, is made of blue substance and one guy, or, 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 or I said, see, I, I became a tritheist there. One, one person is made of, of blue substance and one person is made of green substance and one person is made of yellow substance. It's, it's the same. They are, they are co-substantial. They're made of the same stuff. He uses the same word substance too in speaking of being of Mary's substance. And of Mary's substance. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that, that goes against a, an error which was more, oh, who, uh, was it Minos, the Mennonites, maybe some early Mennonites? 
and some others had this idea that Mary was nothing but a conduit. There was nothing of her. She was essentially, Jesus was like water running through a pipe. The relationship between Jesus and Mary was no more than that. And this is, this is denying that idea. Um, the last one I'll talk about is uh, Apollinarianism. This, is, this, one, this one freaks everybody out. You're probably most of you are Apollinarians, and you just don't know it yet. So I'm going to turn you on. This is, what, this is what I said. Probably most of you are heretics. Um, <laughs> sometimes I am. Um, so what Apollinarius taught was that uh, Jesus had a divine, purely a divine consciousness. We might have think of it as a divine soul. He had a, he had a human body but it was inhabited by a divine mind, divine consciousness, so that he was omniscient whenever he walked around. Now, this would contradict the idea that he grew in wisdom and stature. It would also contradict the concept that he actually suffered uh, everything and, and was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet without sin, because he would be skipping a lot of things, right? It would be very easy, and I remember as a kid, I, I probably asked you guys, I think I, I remember asking one of you this, where I said, well, you think Jesus could have been up there on the cross, and he, he, he you know, because he was, since he was God, he just, he wasn't really hurting, he, he in his, you know, in his mind and in his God, he, he was just having a pizza party, and it just, you know, his body was there, but he didn't really feel it, it didn't really hurt him, because he was God, and I don't, do you remember me asking that? <laughs> and I, I think you guys said no, that's I'm not right. <laughs> Very, very young, probably, you know, probably no more than six years old. I remember asking that. Uh, but where, where it gets interesting for us is, we okay, well, how did he know X, Y, or Z? And there's some places in Scripture where I think we overinterpret because we are reacting to people who don't believe in the divinity of Christ. And we're saying, no, look here. He knew what these guys were thinking at the party uh, right before he healed this guy or as he healed this guy, things like that. And... Uh, but really, he, like he just kind of had like a human intuition of like the guys over here that just started grumbling as soon as I started to heal a guy. Like you know what they're thinking. But there's other times when he knows something that humanly he can't know. Uh, nevertheless, what this is saying here. But he, he seems to imply that the Father is revealing that to him. The Father is revealing it to him through the Spirit. He's in constant communion. He's in the most perfect communion with with right. the Godhead of any of any man. Mm-hmm. But that's God will expose what he needs to know. Right. And so, like another uh, point would be in Matthew 24, or is it 25? He says, No man knows the day or the hour, not even, uh, not even the angels, only, only the Father. Only the Father knows the, the day and the hour. Yeah. Does Jesus know the day and the hour now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And did his divi- in his divine nature, did he know it then? And that gets very confusing. Well, what, what is a property of nature versus person? Um, what did Jesus know? When did he know it? Yeah. <laughs> so it, my, my uh, systematic uh, three professor, uh, Derek Thomas, said, said it this way. He said, if you walked up to Jesus when he was strolling down the streets of Galilee and said, bum, 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 would he be able to finish the line? No. Not unless it was revealed to him by the, by the Father through the Spirit, right? Um, <clears throat> so he, he, he really 
took on all the essential, the nature, the, all the essential uh, properties and common infirmaries thereof, and he was still without sin. So when we, all of this, this is a lot of talking to get to this point. All of this, why does this matter? Because if these things aren't true, salvation isn't once for all by grace through faith. Because either he's a, because in these heresies, he becomes a man who is not capable of paying an infinite price because he's finite. Even if he's perfect, you know, which one's he going to save? Which one's he going to swap for? Me, you, you, you. One finite dude, not good enough. Uh, he, needed to do, he needed to do two things. He needed to die, which man could not do. He needed to live perfectly and be able to pay an infinite penalty, which, which uh, man could not do. So when we get into these heresies, it gets very technical, and you're like, why are we even bothering? But like, if, you, if you follow them through, like, none of these heretical sects have salvation by the sovereignty of God, by God's sovereign election, instrumentally brought about by grace through faith. You, you don't have it. And even where you do have it right, sometimes they obviously don't have that either. But, but you definitely don't have it when, there's, when you miss the boat on Jesus. You miss the boat on salvation. Not to say that those people aren't, aren't saved. Uh, people that believe those heresies, particularly uninformed, they just grew up in it, you know, whatever. Um, the... Where were they from? I can't remember. I think they were Egyptian, some Egyptian Coptic Christians. They got <laughs> captured by ISIS and wouldn't, wouldn't recant, so they beheaded them out on the beach. Um, you know, they were probably Monophysites, Coptics. Uh, doesn't, I'm not saying they're, they're not Christians, um, but, but in terms of actually having a, a coherent doctrine, every one of these, when you go wrong on Christ, you don't get back to the proper understanding of salvation. Yeah. I think I heard you say that all of us might be Apollinarian. Uh, uh, help me uh, wipe away my confusion. What is Apollinarianism in one sentence? That Jesus' mind was not limited like yours is, but it was divine, knowing everything. It was not a human mind. So he walked around in a human body with a divine mind. So is that saying that even when he was an infant, he was omniscient? Mm-hmm. If he's God. And maybe there, there were physical limitations in terms of how he could manifest the, that knowledge or whatever, but it was, but it was still the divine mind. And that he didn't know things like the day or the hour of his return. So it's an emphasis on but that the Father did. So it's an emphasis on divinity and a de-emphasis on humanity. Correct. Exhibit A. So the, so it was an emphasis on deity to the exclusion of humanity. Exactly. Exhibit A. Yeah. 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 Though it's probably the least damaging. And like I said, like I think most Christians at least in America. Most conservative Christians are Apollinarians by default. It's just sort of assumed. And nobody really does a lot to challenge that. 
Yeah, and it was funny because John, in, you know, in John's gospel, you see Jesus making these I am statements, which are so, you know, they, I mean, they, are, they all testify to his deity. And yet John, in, was it first John, was chapter 4, where he says, anyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he is not of God. Or maybe yeah. If you don't believe he's come in the flesh, it's not of God. So he had, he covered both ends of it. One in the gospel, you know, where everything's about the divinity of Christ. Or, you know, I mean, he has those, not that it excludes, and then in his epistle, he's talking about being that thing. But I, I think that's what's amazing. I mean, we've been studying this in our Sunday school class, and one of the things that, that, that he said that our teacher there is a pretty smart fellow was talking about. He said in some of his notes, he was talking about how when the Holy Spirit came upon the Virgin Mary, that he used the natural reproductive uh, system of ovulation with an egg, <clears throat> supernaturally fertilized it to cause Mary to conceive a child. So it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't an embryo poof. transplant. It wasn't just it poof. It wasn't an embryo yeah. transplant. It was a fertilization of the egg so that in that sense that he is of, that he's truly man, mm -hmm. yet at the same time truly God. And to get our heads around that's just a hard it's, thing to do. It's also interesting. I, our history doctor over here can maybe enlighten me more on this. I don't know. But my understanding, like when you go back to, well, hmm. That would have just been gender. My understanding, though, is that women were cons like, like considered to not really contribute, right, to the to the the substance. Uh, it it at various times in history, um, but were, were were considered fertile ground or infertile ground <laughs> for the for the baby to grow. But it was essentially coming from the from the from the the father, which is. It's interesting that they say it's from her substance. So that's so maybe maybe that's just completely wrong, or it's or it's a it's it's a narrow bit of history or culture or whatever. Okay, paragraph three. The well, wait, there was something you said. No, I guess that was it. I guess that was it. That it was well, and it wasn't immediate. It was immediate. Like there were there were real things happening, like normal, ordinary processes. Yet there was something extraordinary at that. Now the other extraordinary part is how was he sinless if he was from her substance? And there's all those various constructions as to to how. Um, the most obvious being uh, immaculate conception. The Catholic Church's doctrine that Mary was sinless, and so was her mom, and so was her mom, and so. I quit studying it at that point. I was like, that's so stupid. Anyway, <laughs> it just doesn't comport with the Bible. Um, yeah. So, and that's one theory. You know, well, the sins of the father pass on to the son, so the sins of the mother don't pass on. But you know, wait a minute. That just doesn't, that just doesn't comport because we're still talking about human substance. But ultimately, the, this is to make a very long conversation very short, is to say, the Spirit conceived Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance in an extraordinary way so that he was conceived without sin. And just leave it at that because beyond that, we're, we're highly speculative. That's, that's the thing, too, is you, know, you deal with something so delicate and so deep and so holy that it's, 
you, you, you find it difficult sometimes to express it, and you gotta really appreciate these divines, you know, hammering out and hashing out all those words, and it's got to have been an incredibly, I mean, just like we, you know, we talked for 15 minutes about that word substance, mm -hmm. and you know, you wonder how many hours they may have devoted to that, yeah. you know, as to what that was, and it's so easy to get it, to get off on it, mm -hmm. it's so easy to miss, the, the essence because I, oh the substance say, somebody used to say to Peter, I, saw, I, I referred to Jesus as being as coming to earth as God in an earth suit which sounds yeah kind of cool because he's coming to earth you know, he's in the, but if you think about that though that's 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 Apollinarianism I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's because he's fully God yeah. fully man a hundred percent of the time I mean, you know, he was he was not a man before the incarnation, mm -hmm. but at the incarnation he became a man. Uh, and still is. He died. He was crucified. He was buried. He got raised him from the dead. He seated at the right hand of God the Father, where he lives to make intercession for us. Except when he stood up for Stephen, as you said Stephen. yesterday. That's right. Right. He stood up for Stephen, <laughs> but he's been seated at the right hand of God the Father as a man. Yeah. The divine, but but yet still co-equal, close, same substance with God. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it makes your brain hurt. <laughs> yeah. Paragraph three: The Lord Jesus, in His human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in Him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell. To the end that, being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office he took not unto himself, but was thereunto called by the Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Notice how much of this is just straight up scripture. Like they're just cutting and pasting from their ESV, right on their on their MacBook, uh, right into their right into their Google Doc to make this confession. It's just it's just straight out of Scripture. Now the that that sanctified is is really a a you can think of that as as setting apart afide, holy afide. Uh, hagiified, so it's it's not like Jesus was he, he, Jesus needed a little more sanctification before he attempted this. No, that's not that's not the point. Uh, it's 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 he was he was he was a, it's basically meaning the same thing as appointed unto the task. Um, Hebrews says he learned obedience by the things he suffered. That's true. Which is again. So that and that that's interesting. So God that gets down to probably the knowledge of God, right? So, did Jesus, in his divine nature, not know some, anything? No. He knew everything. He knew everything immediately. He didn't need light to see. He, he sees intuitively, with, immediately, without anything to... He doesn't need light to come from a source and bounce off of it and then receive it and then, and then turn that into knowledge somehow. He just knows it. He can see without light, without eyes. Um, but 
So he, he could know suffering intuitively, but Jesus learned it experientially. Yeah. He did learn it immediately. He learned it in the same way that we learn it. So you see this, that fully human aspect being exercised there. And so he is, a, he, he is that, that perfect uh, priest who is able to, to uh, what's the word? Sympathize, yes, sympathize with us in all our infirmities uh, because he learned suffering in the experiential way. And yet, without saying, it didn't take him as many times to get it. Yeah, yeah. Once was good enough. What was that verse about that he didn't think equality with God was a thing to be grasped? Colossians 2 6 7. Yeah, it's not an understanding. It's a, it's a holding on to. It's a hold. Yeah. Okay. Philippians 2, I'm sorry. Not to lay it aside, but to hold on. Correct. So he wasn't like, no, I'm not leaving heaven where it's warm and cozy. I don't want to go down there. It wasn't, he wasn't grasping it in that sense. Yeah. Like that bald eagle grasped my chickens and tore them apart. <laughs> Na- nature is red in tooth and claw, Betsy. Okay. <laughs> Betsy's an animal lover. The deepest animal lover I know. <laughs> Do we, did, did you finish, Judy? I thought you might be still saying something. He didn't like people would say he laid aside his omniscience or he laid aside his divinity to be human. He doesn't lay it aside. But isn't that the heresy? Um, I think of the name of it as docetism or donatism or something or other in that Philippians passage that, that says he laid it aside. Mm-hmm. No, it's not docetism. I'd have to look, read it in Greek to remember. So it's the word. It's the word emptied. If somebody wants to Google that in the interlinear and see what the Greek word is, it's from the Greek word that it that it comes. It's Philippians two seven. I've got the cool tool right here. I can probably find it in five seconds. Uh, where's the Greek? There it is. Oh, goodness. Dude. Nope. It's not a normal word. No, that's to appear. So docetism is, is the heresy that Jesus only appeared to be physical, but he was actually only spiritual. Mm-hmm, exactly. No. Uh, I should have just skipped this, but now I've gotten into it and I want to find out. Ah, ah, kenosis. There it is. 
kenosis. So it's it's uh, kanao, um, to make empty, uh, so to empty himself. And yeah, kenos- kenosis. And so what does this mean? That's that's probably the, the better question. Because if you look at it, I mean, it's like, no, look, he... He uh, he did. He wasn't equal to God, um, and he emptied himself and took the form of the servant. Was born in the likeness of men. So he was God, and then he became man, and now he's God again, or something like that. Um, the the basic the basic reformed or not even not just reformed, but I mean the Roman Catholics would say the same thing is that he he subtracted by adding. He did not give up anything in his person. He merely took to himself a nature which was an experiential, he, th- then he had the experience of not having these things while in his person he yet had them, but he didn't have them in his human nature. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great note in the ESV study Bible that says, while he had every right to stay comfortably where he was, to, to yeah. grasp onto it, uh, in a position of power, his love drove him to a position of weakness for the sake of sinful mankind. Uh, Second Corinthians 8 9, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and you through his poverty might become rich. This emptying consisted of his becoming human, not of his part of giving, not giving up any part of his true divinity or deity. Yeah. So it, it, he, he emptied himself and then became human, but he didn't give up any of his, any of his deity. What they Bill talked about was what. Um, in what body or what likeness was Christ prior to taking upon a human body? Mm-hmm. And so, whatever that form he was, he put that aside to take the form of a body. Because Christ existed. Now, the question is, how did Christ exist? What did he look well, like? We didn't put it aside. He still had it. Well, the, his deity, but the form, right. the form in which he walked around in was different. Is different. Yeah. And that's what he put his hum- yeah, his humanity. He took he took upon himself humanity, humanity. and that humanity did not have access to the divinity right. in that sense of attributes. Right. So he yeah. put that whatever that form was aside. Yeah. You know, and took himself a form of a man. And interestingly, totally God. Interestingly, also it's the it's the word schema, not uh, <laughs> morphe. So morphe, well, we think of form. We think, well, you know, there's a there's a there's a, there's a a mannequin out there. So the form of form of human, uh, it just it looks like one. It's a sort of outer conformity. That would be more like morph morphe in Greek. And schema is more like design. You know, it's a it's a it's a deeper likeness. It's not just an appearance of of similarity. It's an actual identicalness. You know, same same substance, so to speak. You know, in the same sense, you look at Jacob when he wrestled. And when he got that knee or whatever it was, and he wrestled with God in that form, he saw him that was, he was wrestling with Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, that was his form prior to yeah. being divine. But and if he could wrestle with him, why wasn't he human? Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, what was that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was also... We, in, uh, in, in Derek Thomas in Systematic Theology 3, he said, I don't know, about a hundred times when people ask him questions like that. Um, let's see here. Anything else in here you want to talk about?
But once again, I think this, this kind of makes the point that I made earlier that if you miss what's in paragraph two, you're not going to get him uh, fully furnished to execute the office of, of, of mediator and surety. And so your, your concept of salvation is going to be off. It's going to be skewed. Well, I think that's enough. What, Tim? Hmm? Oh. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Any other thoughts? We can probably blaze through the next four next week and be done with it. Frank, would you pray for us? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to dive further into your word, to uh, sharpen each other, um, to ask questions, to um, become more um, knowledgeable of you, to apply those things we're learning to um, our study of you, to our lives, and to the people we need to talk with. Um, Thank you, Lord, that you're with us and you'll guide us throughout the week. And uh, um, just give us your traveling mercies and um, be with us as we um, look to live for you each and every day. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.